Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 6 tonight. Matthew chapter number 6, and we'll get into what the Lord would have for us tonight. Matthew chapter number 6, and uh, we have been here in uh, previous weeks, and uh, I actually this afternoon was just figuring out whether we should go back where we went this morning, or whether we should go back here, and I felt led to go back here tonight, amen. Matthew chapter number 6, when you find your place in verse number 1, I'll invite you to stand in honor and reverence the reading of the Word of God this evening. Matthew chapter number 6 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the heathen do, in the synagogues and in the street, that they may have the glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest thine alms, let not thine left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before ye ask him. After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when the, but thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast. But unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. You may have a seat this evening. Let's bow for a word of prayer together tonight as we get into the text that God would have for us. Let's pray together. Our kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we do come in your presence once again as thankfully and humbly as we know how. Thanking you, Lord, for another day and another opportunity, uh, Lord, to be here in the house of God with your people. 
Thank you, Lord, for each and every person that's come tonight on a Sunday night to hear from the Word of God one more time and to worship in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Lord, for the Word from the Scriptures from the Kyle we've already heard. I pray, God, that you'd help us to follow in your footsteps and emulate you to a lost and dying world in the area of our service. Father, I pray, dear God, that you would help us to keep that before us as we move in and out of the days of our week this week. Help us, Lord, I pray, to be a representative of you everywhere we go. And help us, Lord, never be too good to serve. But, Lord, help us, God, to live in such a thankful attitude that we can't help but serve. Father, we thank you, Lord, for all the hymns and the special singing that we've heard tonight. Lord, how they've blessed our heart, how they have encouraged us. And, Father, we do say hallelujah. What a Savior tonight. And, Lord, we thank you, God, for being the Savior that you are. We're thankful, God, that you live tonight, that we're not praying to a God that is dead and distant and cannot hear us, but we have a God that is alive and alert. And, Father, we bless your name for that tonight. Father, I pray for these next few moments that you'd hide me behind the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Forgive me of sin. Empty me of self. Fill me with your spirit. Use me, God, for your glory, I pray, to be more than sounding brass and tingling cymbal, but to be your messenger to your people. Preach through me, because that's the only way preaching will be done tonight. Save sinners. Change lives. Do the work that only you can do. And, Father, we'll give you the praise, the honor, and the glory, and we'll thank you for what you do. And we thank you now in advance in the name that is above every name. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray and ask all of these things. Amen and amen. When we come to Matthew chapter number 6 tonight, we are uh, coming to this text for the third time. And, of course, due to some special Sundays and some different things that we've had going on around here, we have, uh, we have taken a break for a week or so from this passage of Scripture. The first message we looked, we came in this passage and really just gave a word of introduction. And then uh, this, uh, this past time we were in this text, we uh, dealt with verse number 1, and we worked our way down to probably about verse number 2 or so. And uh, we began to talk about uh, what the Bible here deals with and how Christ in this Sermon on the Mount deals uh, with the giving of alms and almsgiving. And, uh, and we applied that to giving of finances because I believe we do see that in this text. Although the word alms applies to any form of generosity, any form of charitable uh, gift or work or deed, I believe that we see in the words of Christ here uh, a, an application to uh, financial giving in this passage of Scripture. And I believe we see that in verse number 3, and we'll deal with that specifically here in a minute. But as we have studied this chapter number 6 of the Gospel of Matthew, there's a word that keeps popping up throughout this text in each section as it deals with almsgiving, and then it deals with prayer, and then it deals with fasting. And each of these uh, three categories, we find that the word secret keeps popping up again and again. That there are some actions of our spirituality that our Savior expects to remain secret. That it's not for the eyes of the world, it's not for anyone to behold, but it is to be done as an act of love and devotion uh, between us and our Savior. And we're not to do it because of what we can get out of it, but because God has been uh, so good to us that we love Him and our devotion springs forth from a heart of love to Him. Amen. And I told you before, and I don't normally give you the outline in advance, but uh, I knew how we would divide this up. And so uh, I wanted 
to, to repeat what I've already given you, and that is there's two thoughts that permeate this entire chapter. Number one, as we consider some things the Savior won't secret, number one, uh, Christ tells us about the actions that are to be hidden in verse 1 through 18, and then He tells us about the aim that is to be had, and we'll get there down the road. But we began in the last time we were in this text dealing with the very first action that Christ said is to be a part of our secret devotion, and that is what I'm calling our sharing or our giving. So our sharing is to be secret. We see that in verse 1 through 4, and we began to deal with the Pharisees in giving and how the Pharisees gave. And the Bible here says in verse number 1, the Bible says, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Look at verse 2. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee. And note these words, as the hypocrites do. Uh, we, we, we see that uh, he mentions that there's a group of people that he is calling out their hypocrisy in giving. And as we study this text, no doubt I believe it is clearly in view uh, that the Lord here is targeting the scribes and the Pharisees. He is targeting the hypocrisy of the, uh, of the religious uh, the, the, uh, the uh, religious leaders of his day. And in doing so he gives us a lesson in uh, our sharing of what God has put into our hands and entrusted us with when it comes to giving to others to meet uh, their needs. And I mentioned uh, that this is a good time for this series because this church has been very generous. Amen. And uh, so uh, this is just preventative maintenance. Amen. But so we dealt with these uh, Pharisees and their hypocrisy and how they like to give large offerings of great abundance. And the Bible says here in our text that they did it to be seen of men. And we made an application to our day that how uh, many Christians are engaged in the same pharisaical actions of the Pharisees when it comes to their giving. They may not be giving large sums of money, but they do give to be seen of men. They may not do as these uh, Pharisees did and draw attention to the action of giving, but where I have seen uh, pharisaical hypocrisy in giving uh, is in the area of being braggadocious toward our gifts. Amen. I wish I could tell you how many times I've heard Christians brag about how much they give. Amen. And we closed uh, last service talking about the price of our giving. The Pharisees in hypocrisy bragged about the price of their giving and so we tried to determine what is to be the price, uh, the price tag if you will, of a gift that Christ honors and uh, demands of us. Amen. We talked about how the price must begin with the tithe and we dealt with the various passages that teach that. But it must not just begin with the tithe but it must go beyond the tithe in the form of a free will offering. And also the New Testament talks about a missionary offering. Malachi said that not only do God's people rob him in tithes, but they do it in offering as well. Amen. And we talked about how many Christians while uh, will rob God of the tithe that he demands. Others will rob him of the offerings that he desires. And some will deny him of both. And so we talked about the price of our giving. But tonight, and by the way, we saw from the scriptures that that price, if it is to be begin with a tithe, 
tithe, but it's to go beyond the tithe. We saw that that price tag falls with the between uh, somewhere between 10 and 100% of our income. And uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says that you can pinpoint where it is along the way uh, by you being able to give it cheerfully. Amen. And uh, give it joyfully and not feel like you are uh, being taken advantage of. Amen. And you're not giving it grudgingly. So we talk about the price of our giving, but tonight I want us to pick up with uh, Acts chapter number 20 and verse number 35. You can turn there this evening. Acts chapter number 20 and verse number 35. This verse speaks not uh, of the price of our giving, but it speaks of the privilege of our giving. The privilege of our giving. Acts chapter number 20 and verse number 35. I believe most of you Bible students know where we're going and know this verse. And by the way, I believe this verse here is very interesting in the fact that these are the recorded words of Christ that, the, uh, that, that, that uh, Luke gives us here. But you will not be able to trace this quote down in any of the four Gospels. This quote only appears here in the scriptures, and we do not, during the record of the life and ministry of Christ, ever find him giving that statement. Let me ask you this question. Does that mean that Jesus didn't say it? No, I believe this falls into that category that John talked about where he said if everything Jesus said and did was to be recorded, the world itself wouldn't be able uh, to contain the books. Amen. We know that Jesus said this because under the inspiration of God, Luke said uh, that he did. Amen. And so I'm thankful for Luke's account here. But look at Acts 20 and verse 35. The Bible says here, and these are, uh, this is recorded by, the, by uh, Luke, but these are the words spoken of the apostle. Paul. Luke later penned them in the book of Acts. But look what the Bible says here. He says, I have showed you all things how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak. These are the words of Paul here. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus. So now Paul is quoting Jesus. By the way, Jesus is a really good person to quote. Amen. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Here, the Bible said that Jesus said that giving comes with a reward, and the reward of our gift is not necessarily uh, a hand clap of applause. It's not necessarily the accolades of uh, the world, but what is the reward? for our giving to the work of God. It is the fact that God allows us the privilege to invest in what he's doing. Amen. I've told, I've told you before, when we have folks in to preach or we have fellowship meetings or something like that, we're going to make sure that the preachers that have come in from different places are taken care of. But I've made this statement to the church, but if you want to get in on what God's doing, we'll give you the opportunity to put a little something in the plate and, and get involved in the financial gift. And therefore, by engaging yourself in the privilege of giving, you enter into the reward of being able to give. And Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I think that's an interesting uh, statement. Most people, at least most carnal men and women would probably say, uh, I, like, I like getting pretty good. It's a blessing to me to receive. 
and I'll receive all that I can. But Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. You know, you think about when someone has a need. If you give to meet the need and then that need is met, you can imagine, just think about how accomplished you feel. I think about a lot of times things that uh, I get to do as the pastor of this church and lead in certain areas and, and uh, give of my time. And this church gives me the privilege to be able to do that. I, I, I think that I probably get more out of our church services. I think I get more out of our special days and special meetings. I think I got probably the most out of our homecoming services a few weeks ago and just enjoying those and all those things because I got to be a part of doing so much to get those things together and because of how much me and my family have been able to give to make those things come to pass the way that they are uh, I get so much more of a blessing from that. Amen. I was told my wife and uh, back last month when we had our missions month or not last month, back in August back last year when we had our missions month about how busy we were, and me and me and we were so busy for a week or so that whole that whole week. But I told her at the end of it, and she was telling me that she just she worked and worked and worked and wore herself out. And I said, I said, honey, I said, but I bet you it meant a whole lot more to you when it turned out the way that it did, didn't it? And she said, yes, it did. The more we give, the more blessed we are. Amen. It's, it's better. It truly is for the child of God. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus gives us that principle. And in that we see that it is a privilege to give. Amen. And when it comes to these Pharisees, they were bragging about how much they gave. And I believe that no child of God ought to be bragging about how much they give. And I don't think any child of God ought to to think a lot of themselves for what we give, number one, because I don't think we'll ever be able to give enough to even give Christ a small token of our appreciation, a small thank you for what He gave. We don't have anything to brag about about what we give. Amen. Uh, we have not give our life. Amen. We may we have not give our blood. Amen. We didn't lay our life down. Amen. Christ gave and set the ultimate example of giving in our life. Amen. And I'm thankful He gave. Amen. And it compels me to want to give my time and my energy. But yes, it also does compel me to want to give of the finances that God has put into my life because of all Christ gave for me. Amen. But unlike these Pharisees, I don't believe a Christian ought to be bragging about how much they give. And if they do, I believe that it is letting us know that they do not truly understand that it is a privilege to give to the work of God. Let me ask you this tonight as we move on to another thought. How's your giving to the work of God? The Bible here says that these Pharisees were hypocritical in giving. Is your giving a hypocritical kind of gift? How's your giving to the work of God? Let me ask you this question. Do you give? There's a, lot of, there, there, there's a lot that we get done around here on the gifts of God's people. But if you are not actively involved in that, you're truly missing out on a blessing. Amen. I was, <clears throat> I was watching a church recently and they were wanting to take their, uh, take their original sanctuary that the church started in back in the early 1970s. 
and they were wanting to take that old building on the grounds that's not being used for anything, and they were wanting to, and it was a, it was a, it was a fairly large building over time. They'd expanded it several times before they built a massive building that sits about 2,500 people or so, and they were wanting to take that old building, and God put it on the pastor's heart to start an early learning center for children in the community and in the church to come and have somewhat of a daycare and then also like a Christian school in that building. And last Sunday morning, they had what he called a double tithe Sunday. Here's what he said. And uh, I'll tell you what my wife said here in just a minute. But here's what he, would do. Here's what he did. He said, here's how we're going to raise money. They, were, they, they had several hundred thousand dollars they needed to raise. By the way, on one Sunday morning, they took up over $400,000 to pay for it. It's paid for. Amen. But here he said, if, he said, if you do not give at all, I'm asking you to give something on that Sunday. He said, if you do not tithe, but you do give, I'm asking you to tithe for the first time on that Sunday. And here's what my wife said wasn't really fair to the givers. He said, and if you do tithe, I'm asking you to give a double tithe on that Sunday. She said, that doesn't seem too fair to the givers. You don't give, you just give a couple of dollars and you've done yours, but the tithers have to give twice as much. Amen. But I told her, I said, that pastor knows what he's doing because his givers are going to give anyway. Amen. They'll, they'll, they'll give. If they give, they have the heart of giving. They'll, they'll give anyway. Amen. But the ones who have never given, they just might need a push in the right direction to give it all. And then maybe they'll become givers themselves. But here, here's, what, here's what I'm saying. That church, I was, I was, I was amazed by that and how God, and how God blessed that, that, that project. Amen. Well, uh, right at middle way through, four hundred thousand dollars. Wonderful to God be the glory. Amen. And that church isn't too far from here. And I praise God for what God's doing over there and how God's blessing. Amen. But let me ask you: Do you give it all? That pastor targeted those that did not give at all. And I promise you those that had never given. And then, by the way, that pastor and his, and his uh, music director uh, and, and youth uh, assistant and youth choir guy, he's kind of like Brother Lewis. He has about a thousand titles. And uh, the pastor and this gentleman, he said, if, we, if there is a four on that screen, it talking about $400,000. He said, me, and then he called the other guy's name. He said, we'll put on our running shoes and we'll take a lap around this building. Both of them brought their shoes to church expecting God to give them the offering. Can I, can I remind you tonight, I promise you that those that had never given before and whatever they put in the plate for the very first time given in church, I bet you they were blessed by, how the, by giving. Amen. They enjoyed the privilege of being able to give when they saw their pastor and music director taking a lap around the church. Amen. Brother Tommy, you want to give that? You want to give that? Call out. Amen. We raised some money for something. Me and Brother Tommy take a lap around the church. That was a big church though. Amen. It wouldn't take us nearly as long. But I'm, I'm asking you tonight, do you fall in that group that is not, they don't, they, you don't give at all? Do you follow in that middle category where you give your tithe, but you don't give much more than your tithe? 
Or have you really got the grace of giving and give a tithe plus an offering to the work of the Lord? How much do you give? I don't need you to tell me. I don't need you to tell anybody. Are you giving what you could? Are you giving what God's purposed in your heart? We saw last week that the Bible says that every man is to give as God has purposed in his heart. Not just are you to give the base, but God demands an offering above the tithe. And you are to give above the tithe what God purposes in your heart. Has God purposed an amount in your heart? If not, I encourage you to enjoy, truly enjoy the privilege of giving. You might need to spend some time with the Lord and help Him to purpose a, a gift in your heart, a monetary amount in your heart, so that when you give and you're enjoying a, a purpose of God and enjoying to give cheerfully in your heart. And there's no telling what God will do around here. Amen. If our people get the grace to give. Amen. And as Brother Caldwell has taught our church so faithfully down through all of these years, you cannot outgive God. I was talking to some folks this afternoon at lunch, and I, I, we were talking about how you can't outgive God, and we were, we were talking about that, and I said, but I believe God likes for people to try. Amen. Amen. And if you realize what a privilege it is to be able to give to the work of the ministry, and if you do give, and God blesses, and God gets to use your offerings for things like those missionaries that we had come in last Sunday, and all the things that God has allowed us to do, this renovation, and all the missionaries we support, and all those other things. Amen. I promise you, you will be more blessed because you gave rather than to receive. Amen. Let me ask you this as well. Why are you giving to this church? This entire passage in the first, well, the, the first part of Matthew chapter number 6, uh, the Bible here is not talking about whether these Pharisees gave at all, but he, he is addressing the heart of why they give. And he's dealing with the why of their giving. Why they give. Here the Bible said they gave to be seen of men. Let me ask you this. How hypocritical is your giving? Out of all the three of these aspects, look at verse number one with me. Now I think this says something about giving of, of our finances and the heart of our giving. The Bible says here in chapter number six in verse number one, take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Can I submit to your heart this evening that out of these three, out of these three areas of devotion that God says is to be kept secret between us and Him, our giving, our sharing, if you will, is the only thing that God tells us we need to take heed that we have the right spirit when we do it. Specifically, take heed that you do not your alms before men. Can I say, I believe that the reason why Jesus says that is because hypocrisy and giving is a very subtle sin. It is one that is very easy to fall into if we are not careful. This sin is one that the Bible says here by taking heed that you and I are in great danger by. There is clearly no sin and no danger in giving, but there is sin and danger when one gives to be seen of men and the true heart behind our gift, which, by the way, giving, as I've already said in previous weeks, is a very spiritual thing. If you don't believe that, you've never really tried to out-give God. It's a very spiritual thing. But when we do it for the wrong reasons, it is removed of all of its spiritual benefits 
and it becomes something just in the arm of the flesh. So we see the Pharisees in giving. But then I want us to notice, secondly, the principle in giving. Look at verse number 3 with me tonight. The Bible says, But when thou doest thine alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. When we come to verse number 3, we find before us the forever immortalized phrase, Let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. I'll say this evening that this phrase is frequently quoted yet seldom understood and even more scarcely practiced. It simply means that we are to conceal our giving as much as possible. That's what he's talking about when he says, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. I've heard people uh, use this verse to describe all kinds of things and that don't even have a clue what they're talking about. Not only do they not know, I don't know when I hear it. Amen. John Gill says that it means to give, to do the act of giving. Listen to this. This was profound. By the way, this is the, the, the man that I'm quoting his commentary this evening. This was the man that pastored the church that became the Metropolitan Tabernacle that Charles Haddon Spurgeon pastored before Spurgeon pastored the church. He was there 50 years as their pastor, and he was the famous, the most famous pastor there before Spurgeon got there. This was Spurgeon's hero. Here's what he said. That we are, this verse, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. It means that we are to do the act of giving so privately and with so much secrecy that if it were possible, we might not know it ourselves, much less make it known to others. And that we should not acquaint our nearest and dearest friend with our gift. We should not let one that sits on our left hand know what we are doing with our right hand. This phrase is a proverbial and hyper, uh, hyperbolic phrase expressing the secrecy of this action. In other words, they are saying that we are to make all efforts to keep our giving private. Matthew Henry speaks of the uh, speaks of the intent behind our giving when he said, "Do it because it is a good work, not because it'll give thee a good name." Go with me tonight to Mark chapter number twelve, and I'm going to give you two illustrations, and you'll be thankful that we're done with the giving portion of this message. <clears throat> Matthew chapter, or excuse me, Mark chapter number twelve tonight. Mark chapter number 12. I've already been preaching 28 minutes. I probably won't need to give you much more than this since I've taken several 10-minute blocks, Brother Kyle. Amen. <laughs> Mark chapter number 12. I don't want to be a 30-minute preacher in the way that Kyle has designated my time. Amen. <laughs> Evangelistically speaking, that's right. Amen. Mark chapter number 12, look at verse 41 with me this evening. The Bible says, And Jesus sat over against the treasury. Already we're about to see how Jesus observes people in their giving. And I believe, I believe as, as we study this passage, these folks that he's about to talk of, uh, speak of, uh, could possibly very well be the Pharisees as well. Most scholars believe that. Look at verse 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury 
And notice these words. This is Jesus they're talking about. The Bible says, And beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. Let me ask you this. What would Jesus see if he watched you and your giving? The Bible says, And many that were rich, that's the crowd that many scholars say they, could, they believe could be the Pharisees, the rich. And many that were rich cast in much Verse 42, And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples. Jesus is about to use this event as a teaching opportunity to his disciples. Notice what he says unto them. He saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. Notice the explanation that, that, that Jesus gives. That colon indicates that now he is explaining this previous statement. He made the statement that the widow has cast in more than all they which cast in the treasury. In other words, all of the rich that were casting in, she's given more than all of them. Possibly could even by all could be talking about anybody that's come through that day. Verse 44, he says, For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Let me ask you this tonight, and this is not the application that I'm going to draw, but it is one that I believe I feel led to make tonight. If you, if all you had to give your offerings to your church was going to wipe your bank account out, that's the only way you can make your tithe and your offering to your missions, would you be faithful enough to do it? This poor widow had nothing but two mites, a mere, uh, practically nothing in her hand, and she brought it to the treasury of God's house, and she put it in anyway. And just as she was faithful, probably had no idea that the Lord was watching, and I, 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 I seriously don't believe uh, that, that uh, this text is insinuating at all that she did it because she saw the eyes of the Lord upon her but she did it out of obedience and God saw that gift and Jesus took note of that gift and he even in a private moment with his disciples praised her for being willing to give anyway and the Bible says here as we are reading this we know that this meant so much this small action meant so much to our Lord that he when he was getting uh, men and leading men to pen the scriptures. He walked over to John Mark, whispered in his ear through the Holy, through Holy Ghost inspiration, and said, "Don't forget, the, don't forget the story of that giving widow. Make sure you put it in the Bible." Also, and I, I have no explanation for why this is. But the only other account that you see this recorded is in Luke 21, verse 1 through 4. None of Jesus' disciples that were a part of the Scripture writing process record this story. 
The only two men that record this story are the two men of the, that write the four Gospels that are not part of the Lord's disciples. Mark, follower of the Apostle Paul later on in his ministry. And then Luke, the beloved physician, also a co-laborer with the Apostle Paul. None of the disciples that were given this lesson from the lips of our Lord recorded it. But for some reason, God chose those men to give it. He makes sure her story of generosity made it into the Scriptures for us to glean from. Notice here, this is the application that I want us to draw out of this text, however. I believe that in these verses, Jesus gives us a great illustration of what we find Him condemning in our text in Matthew chapter number 6. I believe here, well notice he says here in the, in the verse 41 that Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury and many that were rich cast in much. Notice the phrases that, note, notice the first phrase where the Bible said that Jesus beheld how the people cast their money into the treasury. Jesus here, we see him uh, catching glimpses and having in his sights not only that they were giving, but what they gave. The beginning part of the of verse 41, when he's sitting over against the treasury, the Bible said that he saw the gift of these rich that were casting in much. I believe the application to us is this, not only that little part about the, about the poor widow, and that's another message for another day, but about these rich folks putting in the money into the treasury. I believe that the reason why Jesus was able to sit over against the treasury and see them putting in their gift is because these rich men made no effort to conceal it at all. That's why he was able to behold it. He was able to see it clearly. Can I say this this evening? There is great reward according to verse 4 of our text. If you want to, you can turn back to Matthew chapter number 6. According to verse 4, there is great reward if we give in secret, but there will be great regret if we don't. Verse 4 says this, That thine alms may be in secret, and that thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. I don't know whether God will reward you openly in this life or not. But I do know that whether we are display, our generosity is, is held up as an example or any part of our Christian life and faithfulness is seen in the eyes of men and all down here, I do believe that whatever we do in secret down here, God will reward us for on a judgment day that is coming for His children. I believe, I, I, by the way, I still believe that there is a judgment seat of Christ that the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 that all must appear before. I believe there's coming a day where you and I will have our, will have our works weighed. I believe that not only will it be just the action of the work, but I believe it will be the heart behind the work that is being, uh, being weighed. And the Bible says there will be some of us that will have gold and silver and precious stones. When the fire is put to it, it will remain. It will make a difference in eternity. It, it, will, it will last. It will be of a good and godly sort. But there will be some of us that will labor an entire lifetime and do actions of service to the Lord. And when the Lord puts fire, when He takes 
sour words at that judgment seat of Christ. Amen. There will be wood and hay and stubble. Everything you've labored in your life doing for the wrong attitude and with the wrong mindset will be burned up and will be left in a heap of a pile of ashes. I believe that. Amen. Let me ask you, why do you do what you do? Each particular part of this text as we walk through it, that will literally be the application of each. Why do we give? Why do we pray? Why do we fast? Why do we do these areas of uh, spiritual activity in our life? It should be from devotion. It should be a secret thing. The Savior wants it secret. But a lot of times you and I like to have those things displayed for others to see. Verse number 1, go back with me there to verse number 1. Notice how this part of the Sermon on the Mount begins. The Bible says, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Why? He said, Otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. There is a great reward to giving in secret. The Bible says the Lord will reward you openly if you give in secret. But if you give before the eyes of the whole world, that will be your reward and you will get no other reward. I'm telling you tonight, I, I want a reward from my God. I don't, I don't, I'm not concerned whether you pin, pin roses on me. I'm not concerned whether you think I'm some great Christian. As long as at the end of it all, I hear a well done, good and faithful servant. And I've done something in the days of my life that's put a smile on the Lord's face. Go with me tonight as I close. It's 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. I close tonight with an illustration of the, in the Apostle Paul's life that he pins for us in this second epistle of uh, second epistle second letter that he wrote to the church at Corinth and i want us to see this this evening as we consider our sharing being secret i want us as we close to consider what paul said in this second letter to the church at Corinth and the example that he gave them of the church of macedonia i know this is a passage that we use often when we preach missions conferences and it deals with a missionary offering, but I want to just simply mention something here by way of conclusion tonight about a church with the grace to give and how God addresses them through God's man. Notice what the Bible says here. The Bible says, moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, and, and it's, a, it's hard to imagine these two things existing together, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded on the riches of their liberality. I don't know of anybody that will be abounding in joy and being in the depths of poverty at the same time. But this church was. Look at verse 3. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. They wanted to give so bad they begged God to take their money even though they not only gave to it hurt, but they gave beyond their own power. They didn't just give to their power what they had they gave what they needed to live on
to the work of the ministry, to this missionary offering. They were so excited about giving, they begged God, or they begged Paul, rather, to take their gift. Praying us, verse 4, with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Their gift for this needy congregation that needed their funds, they said it was not them giving money, it was them partaking of a fellowship of ministry. What a wonderful attitude toward financial giving. Verse 5, and this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. In so much that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace. Also speaking of the grace of giving there. Verse 7, therefore as ye abound in everything in faith. Here he is not speaking of Macedonia, but Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth now. He said you abound in everything. Macedonia was a poor church. Corinth was a rich church. He said there's nothing that you don't abound in. He even mentions things like this, spiritually, faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us. He said, you love us like you should. You love the apostles and those serving with me like you should. He said, see that you abound in this grace also. Paul said to this church at Corinth, he said, you can abound in every area of Christian service, but fail to abound in giving. And Paul here says that they were, he prescribes them, he, he commands them, he said, see that ye abound in this grace also. If you have faith, but you don't have a grace to give in your life, you're missing out on something important. If you can speak great oratory words and you don't have a grace to give, then there's something missing in your life. You can be a diligent Christian serving in diligence and living in diligence, but if you don't have a grace to give, there's still something missing. You can love your preacher. You can love God's men. You can love missionaries. You can love all of God's servants and all of your family in the Lord. But if you don't have a grace to give, there's still something missing in your life and in the life of our church. Here's the application I want to make. Nowhere in any of these verses do we find a single individual receiving praise from the Apostle Paul concerning their financial gifts. He, do, he does praise them as a church, as a whole, but he does not praise anyone individually. He praises them as a church and shares his praise of them with the church at Corinth in order to stir the, uh, the church at Corinth in their financial giving, particularly to the giving of a missionary offering. This church as a whole received praise from Paul, but there was not a single individual that was praised publicly for how much they gave. No one was singled out because of how generously they gave. Giving is not about glorifying our generosity, but is about glorifying our God who so generously and so graciously has given to us. Not only of himself, not only of his blood and of his life, but I do believe that what James said is right. That every good and every perfect gift cometh from above, from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow nor turning. Everything God's ever given me has literally been God giving it to me. Everything I have has come straight from heaven. 
and put into my, put into my possession. My heart tonight is to not receive that grace of God from Him pouring into me and hoarding the blessings of God in my life and missing out on the privilege of giving. The privilege of giving to God's work. The privilege of meeting someone's needs. I don't want to be hypocritical in my giving to meet needs. I, I, I want to give with the right attitude and with the right heart. Amen. So when Paul tells us, or excuse me, when Jesus tells us about some things that the Savior wants secret, the first one he deals with is our giving. And I believe that starts off on a very important note. I've said it before, I believe if God gets all the way in our pocketbook, he'll have the rest of us too. Because I'll be honest with you, that pocketbook means more to all of us than it probably should. Amen. Those things are just temporary. I like what Brother Lewis tells me all the time. He'll say, it's just money. Amen. It's just money. There, there's really not. There's really. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. You gotta have it. I want to have enough of it to take care of my family's needs. I want to have enough of it to be able to give generously to the church. Amen. I, I want to have enough of it to get along. But it is just money. Where we we didn't come in here with it. I don't, know of, I don't know of a baby in this world that came into, came into this world with arms full of money or of a diaper full once they got out. They didn't come in this world with it. And I've seen a lot of stuff in funeral homes where families tried to send folks into the afterlife with it. But the moment it was put in that crematory, it was burnt up. And I've heard of tens of thousands of dollars being put in a crematory with loved ones. People are buried in the ground with their loved ones. But before long, if my body's going to, if this skin's going to turn to dust over years of time, you can promise it won't be long for that, those little pieces of paper to disintegrate. And then in the, in the political climate we're in, that dollar that we hold so tightly and those pennies that we pinch, they ain't worth anything anyway. Now, how's our giving? How, and not just... I'm not in it. I hope this church understands. I believe this. I believe we give well. If there's people in this church that don't give, I'll never, I'll never know about it. But I don't want you to miss out on the privilege to give. I don't want you to miss out on the, on, on, the, on the great joy of being able to give to God's work. And I don't, want to, I don't want you to miss out on this area of our devotion that God says is something private between us and Him. And it's an area where we can draw closer to Him. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com. Oh,